Well, I would say one of the biggest fears is that it's just really a lack mentality and that I'm not going to have enough money. And, you know, individual people think that, oh, you only have those fears if you don't have money. But I also, you know, there are a lot of individuals who have a crap ton of money in their savings account, but they don't need that much. Like they need to be, that money needs to be working for them in different ways. And they are too afraid to spend the money. And so that lack mentality is like one of the first things that it's like one of the biggest mindset blocks. You're listening to Rebel Heart Radio, hosted by a nutritional therapist, Cassie Knavel, and professional esthetician and makeup artist, Genevieve Blair. A lifestyle podcast about clean living, making money, and badass people that inspire us endlessly. We created this podcast to walk through the tough moments of life with you, inspire you to live more intentionally, and frankly, because we like to talk. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure to catch our weekly episode and subscribe to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have iTunes, we would be forever grateful for your review on our podcast. Let's get to our latest episode. The materials and content within this podcast are for general information and educational purposes only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 66 of Rebel Heart Radio. This week, we have our girl, Brianna Firestone, on the podcast. She's the founder of The School of Betty, um, which is an incredible platform that empowers women to create better relationships with their money, time, and energy. And you guys know we are all freaking about this discussion around energy on the podcast lately. So we're so excited to have her join the conversation from this perspective of money and just building financial freedom and lessening our stress. We all need ways to lessen our stress as much as we can. Resource Um, management. (laughs) So good. Yeah. And Brie is a certified life coach as well, financial education instructor. um, And she's an expert on teaching about personal finance, but in this really fun and approachable and frankly, really easy to implement relatable yeah so relatable and she is a boss she's been featured in real simple mind body green the financial diet reader's digest business insider she is Mm. not messing around Um, she's also been featured um, on our girl julie bowers blog paleo mg and on her podcast paleo mg censored we found her on our girl lucia's podcast um, the essential omnivore and just loved everything that she had to say and there's so many connections that we can find between um, health and wellness and creating healthy habits around finances as well. And we definitely dig into that in this episode. Um, Jen, I don't know about you, but I was like so many like aha moments and I do this stuff. I do the budgeting. I do the money management stuff, but this is just such a different approach. And I think so many times we do the legwork around the budgeting, you know, we, we do the numbers and everything, but we don't really visit our emotional relationship with money and, and what our, our fears and our limiting beliefs are around that. And I, I just love, love, love this discussion. Um, and Brie is also, she's based in, in Denver. Um, and she loves, she does, uh, I think CrossFit in her home gym. So we're, we connect in that way. Um, and she loves astrology. So if you want to geek out with that, uh, with her, she's, she's Feel into the universe it. Pushing me towards astrology. It keeps coming up in the last <laughs> few weeks. And I, and when I saw her and that she was into astrology, I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm getting a signal 
but <laughs> keep going keep going um no I, yes. I appreciated all the things that she had to say specifically there was one thing she talked about where it was talking about you know is this coming from a place of self-detriment or a place of self-worth oh and so it, good oh that was like probably truthfully i took notes while we were talking and that's the first time that's happened to me in this podcast um, like interviewing like sometimes i'm so immersed into it that but and i had this out-of-body experience where i was like super into it and then i went i need to remember this and I wrote this down like in the moment and I knew that this was like going to be really important for me because I, whereas like you've been coming from a place of financial planning and like care with your money a lot longer than me. I'm still kind of like baby draft status in this <laughs> like, where I'm like trying to find my footing and figure it out because I've, I've known that this has been a thing. It's just I never found somebody that I could relate to. There was always there's always so many different types of people talking about money out there, but I just never found someone I could relate to until now. So I'm like feeling ready to like. Yes. And you guys, we dig into the woo, into the mindset stuff in this episode, but we also get some really great practical advice from Brie as well on how to manage our money. Um, And I cannot recommend enough her program, Fierce Finances. Um, I'm going to do it, you guys. I'm doing this program. (laughs) Um, I'm excited. And we hope you get just as much out of it as we did because holy moly I have never had a guest on where we were taking notes during the episode but we both were oh my gosh <laughs> even though we're gonna have to re-listen to it several I times and, and I'm gonna be editing, editing and all of that. Like, I could take notes later but I was like I need to know this now oh my gosh it's so good <laughs> okay everyone welcome to this episode of Rebel Heart Radio we're so excited to have Brie Firestone with us today um, we're going to be talking all about money mindset. And Brie is from um, her brand called The School of Betty, which I love. I wanted to learn more about the name. Same. I definitely want to learn more about the name. That's where I was going to go first. Um, but, but Brie, tell us about yourself um, and what you're about. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm Brie Firestone. I'm in Denver, Colorado. And I created The School of Betty really out of some challenges that I experienced earlier on. So my early 20s. And by experience, I mean, racking up $30,000 in credit card debt, $20,000 in student loans before I was 23, barely made $30,000. I lived in New York City. You can do the math. That's not a good combination. (laughs) Not in a good spot. Um, And I finally had that moment of like, oh, like I am doing the thing I thought I would never do. And I'm just like not managing my money really well. And I ended up creating some budget. I didn't know what the hell I was doing and I created a budget and I ended up paying off all of that debt. And through that process started to recognize, like teach all my friends how to budget. And it wasn't scary to me at the time. I just like had no idea how to do it. And newsflash, no one learns how to manage their money growing up. WTF. <laughs> we learn all the other things Why? that we don't need. Yeah. Um, no it would kidding. be really amazing if we taught individuals how to not only just make and spend money, but actually how to manage it. That's a Oh my gosh. So many things in life. Now that I'm an adult, I look back and I go, Why didn't I learn this earlier? Like, yep. Totally. Whoops. Yeah. Money, a huge part of it. Like, I'm sorry, I do not need to understand stocks like I do about my own finances. Thank you. <laughs> like yeah. I, economics. Like I don't what can we start with the basics? Like, I think there's like a huge misnomer too around, you know, the, the idea of money management only needing to happen when you do have money, not when you don't. And I think it's like, Ooh, you got to start that when you have no money. Yeah. (laughs) That's the thing because I, it was something even as a young person, as I earned quite a bit of money between like in my teenage years and and started working really young, like 
my my income then could rival my income from like three or four years ago even. And I had no idea what I was doing with it. And I didn't save. I was never taught to save. And so like what you just said is just <laughs> resonates so much. And it's why we're all here. <laughs> totally. Well, I think what's interesting is, you know, I had paid off all my debt in about, or all my credit card debt in about two years, but I still spent I just didn't put it on credit cards. So I created a budget and I spent within that budget. And it wasn't until um, my husband was laid off. We, I wasn't working at the time. I decided to take a leave from the PR firm I worked for. And all of a sudden we were like, oh crap, we haven't planned for this. We're in a bad spot. And so I, the most drastic thing I could think of to do is to give up shopping. <laughs> for me at the time, that was very drastic. Yeah. You know, Ross and TJ Maxx, we were... BFFs like every weekend and which is hilarious because I didn't have a job to go to. So I don't know who I was dressing for. (laughs) And um, so it was that moment that when I gave up shopping for an entire year that I really started to connect the dots between our emotions and our shopping behaviors and our habits. And that was the moment I was like, holy smokes, like this is a game changer because so many individuals just think I got to create a budget, but they have no idea what their spending habits are. And they have no, they haven't thought about where did I learn about money and what have I taken with me? Mindset, thoughts, emotions that I learned from the people around me that I'm carrying with me right now that are actually impacting my actions around my money that like don't serve me well, (sighs) like mind blowing. And that was like the game changer. Once I figured that out, I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. This is how it works. There's a lot to unpack there, really. There's a lot to unpack there for sure. For every individual. What were some of those like big personal realizations around shopping for you? The biggest one, which I would say, um, you know, even most of the students I coach, I shopped because I, um, because of my emotions and most individuals is very, it's very related to food, which is kind of bonkers when you start thinking about it, how we, how we feel about our money is also very connected to how a lot of, um, women feel about their food as well. Mm-hmm. And it became this moment of like, am I bored? I'm super ambitious. So I would find that when I didn't have anything to do, Oh, going to target, do I got to quote unquote, run some errands. I was bored. I was lonely. I was sad. Um, I was hungry. Those are kind of like main emotions or main triggers. It kind of catapults someone into just like shopping. That Those are the huge ones. Those are the really big ones. Um, boredom for me and just like kind of being sad, but not recognizing that I was shopping because I just didn't feel like emotionally complete. It was pretty mm. heavy. That's how, <laughs> heavy. how old were you? But it's so real. Yeah, how old are you when you made that realization? I was like 28, 28, 29. So I had been debt free for, you know, I paid off my credit cards by the time I was like 24, 25. So we've been living for quite a while with just, you know, kind of doing our flow, doing our thing. Um, but that's a big thing to unpack. And I always tell my students, cause they just think, Oh, we're going to create a budget and be on our way. I was like, no, no. Managing your money has nothing to do with your money. And it gets a lot heavier than they're expecting Mm. um, or deeper, but that's actually where they have these like big aha moments of like, oh, that's why I'm shopping. And that's why I've created a habit around this. I just didn't ever recognize it before. Oh my goodness. It's so true. I feel like 
that's, that's where I'm at with things. Like I've created the budget. I've done the math. Like, hello, I love math. That's what my undergrad is. in. I, all of that, the analytical side is done, but I feel like I just glossed over the emotional side to things. And I've thought about it a few times here and there, and I've definitely changed some behaviors, but there's this cycle. And for me and in, in, in my household, it's like, oh, it's payday let's go have fun. It's payday. Let's go have fun or whatever it is, you know, like you kind of splurge on something. And that's what I grew up with because when you live paycheck to paycheck, you all of a sudden, when the paycheck comes in, you have this like level of freedom that you didn't have two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And so you do that and then you make impulse decisions and then that affects your budget for the rest of that two week period. And then you're stuck in another place where you're living paycheck to paycheck again. And so it's been a really interesting thing for me to, to even now that money is flowing a lot more abundantly than it used to, that I still have that cycle that comes around that I have to check. And I'm like, no, no, you don't need to go to the spa today just because you got a paycheck. <laughs> this is not not how life works. And that makes me go back and look at the budget and say, you know, like where do things fit in? But I think part of that too is making sure that you've got, you know, like an emergency fund in place and all sorts of things. Like we can geek out about all of that, but that gives you a level of security to not jump into that mindset. And it does for me because yeah. it gives me that level of of control. And we all know I love control. So... <laughs> Yeah. And you bring up a really good point. And that is, um, you know, those moments when we get the money and we feel that like that emotional, like, Oh my gosh, I have money. Like, let's go do something. You know, that's, that's the thing about a budget. You can have one, you can put it on paper, Excel, whatever you want in mint, do your thing. And it's really easy not to stick to it. And so, you know, because our our habits and our behaviors around our money are very emotional and that most of our spending is being triggered from an emotional place. We have to be able to leverage that emotion to our advantage. And so I always, you know, guide my students, like, what's your vision? Like, why are you actually sticking? Why do you want to stick to the budget? Is it because you want to go to the beach four times a year? Secretly one of my goals, not a secret, (laughs) just said it on a podcast. Um, do you want to put a down payment on a house? Like what are, what is it that you want to do and visualize yourself doing it? Feel that emotional, um, connection to it very much in business. Know your why you got to know your why you're sticking to the budget and it has to have an emotional connection for you. Otherwise, you're going to YOLO all over the place. And in the moment, you're just <laughs> going to like, you know, it's, it's, it's like everyone who gets a tax return, they have, they're like, we're going to buy something big. And they've already visualized the hot tub they're going to buy and how it's going to be so fun in the winter time and going to have cocktails with their friends. And so by the time they get that money, they are so emotionally connected with that thing. They're buying the thing. And so we got to, we got to leverage that for our, benefit so that in those moments when you want to, you know, spend money, you know, you shouldn't be spending, you got to think about why you're trying to save it or why you're trying to stick to the budget. And it has to be a bigger goal. It has to be a why. Yeah. I think, well, it's so connected to health too, because so much of the changes that we make in our health and wellness journey have to be so deeply connected to not just a goal, but visualizing like how you're going to feel when you get there and how that's going to improve your life when you get there. And just being so connected to that outcome. And I think that's something that I 
kind of like cyclically let go of when it comes to my money mindset where I'm like, I forget that outcome because we, we still have like a good chunk of student loan debt mm-hmm. and we're working through it like as best we can. I know we can do better at it, but I think when the goal feels so far away, that visualization exercise is so important. And I'm talking to myself right now <laughs> because... <laughs> Because you, you, that keeps you connected to it because it might be two years out. But I mean, in the grand scheme of things, no, that's not that long, but that feels like a long time and you just feel like you're perpetually in debt and it's never going to change. And like, this is your life now. And, um, it, you know, you have to be able to get connected to that. And I think that's just the thing we think that, you know, in the same way that we look for, you know, like a diet that'll just fix everything and a budget that'll just fix everything that it'll give us this quick change. And we all know it's the tiny daily actions that we take Mm -hmm. that get us to that, that outcome that we want. Um, and it's not pretty. It's not sexy. It's literally, <laughs> right? No, it's not attractive. It's the small, no. simple yeah, things. Yeah. It's just daily, actionable. I, I also think that a lot of times with the emotion part of it, it's it's this emotional high that we're constantly struggling with between social media. I mean, the, the over shopping, even constant shopping we probably shouldn't be doing, the, the eating, like all of this is just like these constant little highs that we that kind of just take over if we're not cognizant of what's happening. I think that's why I like this conversation so much is it's bringing things to the forefront that doesn't get talked about. I'm like, why? I mean, I kind of understand why and where our uh, society had come from, but I think that's why your work is so important, Brie, is that yes, we just don't, I mean, even in our marriages, sometimes in our marriage, we just go day to day and we don't have these, I mean, my husband and I have been having this practice where we have, um, we call them finance meetings. Um, we probably should change the name so it doesn't sound so like intense. Money day. I'm totally using that. Okay. And we sit down and we break things down and there are times when we're so emotionally drained from something that's going on that we skip it. And we're always like, ah, why did we do that? You know? And but it's, it took us probably seven, eight years of marriage before we got really regular of having these finance meetings and like being much more open about where our emotions are. And like, I think that just kind of airing things out is where this conversation needs to be had is like the emotions can be so intense. Like, and I, and and I I can see how like the fear that happens after, you know, of like, well, what are they going to think of me when I purchase? And the, you know, I I shouldn't have bought that. And the, you know, afterwards, but we're all human. We all do stuff like that. Oh, for sure. Oh man, you just said so many things and I'm like, ping, ping, ping. Sorry, I talked too long. (laughs) Um, No, amazing nuggets because, you know, first of all, we don't talk about it. Money is this weird taboo topic and it impacts every person every day of their lives for the rest of your life. Literally. <laughs> for real. Yeah. And, you know, if you think about other things that you, we utilize and use in our daily life, um, like clothes or I would say underwear, but some people don't wear underwear. So <laughs> awkward. Um, just clothes where it's like, you know, how bizarre would that be if you couldn't talk about, you know, oh, I went shopping and people are like, you can't, you can't talk about that. Like that's uh-huh. super awkward. And so the first thing is, you know, we have to start having open conversations about it. And then you said all the emotions that are flying around it. And those emotions are the things 
or why people don't talk about it. Because, you know, however we learned about money, and when I say learned, I say that very loosely with like quotes, because in most cases, we're learning a negative mindset around our money. We're learning a lack mindset around our money. We're learning that money's stressful. Money doesn't grow on trees. Rich people are stingy. So we learned that like having money is bad, but secretly everyone wants money. It's this weird like... Like, what do you, what do you want? Right. (laughs) And so we have to acknowledge those things. And so you can imagine if our brains want to go towards pleasure and away from pain. And so if we associate money and managing our money and looking at our bank account as stressful or painful, guess what? Odds are you are going to be in some serious avoidance and you're not going to want to do it. But if we can start to neurohack that a little bit and we can start to make those money dates super fun, and I do call them money dates, um, you know, I encourage my students, like, put on some Beyonce, go grab your favorite cocktail or sparkling water, whatever fits your, you know, jam and whatever you love, make that 15 minutes. And we're not talking about a long time, enjoyable and tell yourself, like literally tell yourself this is fun. I love money. This is fun to manage. Yes. Eventually your brain, you do that enough times. Your brain's like, Oh, we like this. This is good. Instead of the opposite where you keep stressing out and your body's going into that, you know, fight or flight mode because it's triggering your sympathetic nervous system of like money. Ah. Ah. And what happens is our brains don't know they're just associating money. So most people have this misconception that it's like, oh, we only feel that way if we don't have money. It's like, no, no, no. Like there are plenty of individuals who make a lot of money and they are uncomfortable with their money. Mm-hmm. And so they're still in avoidance when they could, that money could be doing so many amazing things for them. They just are like uncomfortable with it. They don't, they can't. There's a reason why financial advisors have a job. <laughs> well, I, I read something the other day that just resonated so much with me and it was, it was just basically like, you're not going to magically learn how to manage your money just because you have more of it. Mo money, oh. problems. And I was like, okay. All right. The shot to the heart. Let's go. Um, and I, I've just noticed that in myself, it's even though I'm making so much more money than I did before, it's so easy to still stay in that like feeling limited mindset. And then just having those kind of cyclical you know, poor behaviors around money because, you know, you're not used to it coming in and now it is. And I mean, there's a lot of, you know, my husband and I always talk about this when you've gone without for so long, cause you just couldn't. And mm-hmm. now you can, you got to take care of some stuff. You know, you got to get a new bed maybe, or, you know, whatever it is you're living on your 25 year old bed that your <laughs> grandma gave you, um, after you got married, that was us last year. <laughs> So, you know, some of these like big expenses can kind of rack up, but that's also a product of poor spending behavior and not having a line item and a place in the budget and having forethought to the fact that you're going to need a new mattress in the next year. And can we squirrel a little bit of money away each month? So it's, it's all connected. And I just feel that so much. So I mean, I'm so glad you answered this about like making money dates fun. Cause I was like, how do we make this fun? <laughs> I still, and I, you know, I'm in that place too, where I'm like, yeah, I want, I want to make more, but making more is not going to fix all my problems. That's managing it. That's going to fix all my problems. 
Um, some of them anyway. Yeah, I, I could make <laughs> more money and I'd be fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> going, going back to goals and like visualization, how mm-hmm. do we get from where we're at now with this like limited mindset and paycheck to paycheck mentality, even if we're not living paycheck to paycheck and going to this place where we're actually like paying attention to how we feel, like how do we invest in that process and change that for ourselves? Yeah, I love that question. So one of the main things is we have to actually, you know, bust out that journal or whatever, or even just take five, 10 minutes and kind of think about it and write, like actually sit down and think, how did I learn about money? And what were the emotions and the words that were being said and the feelings, um, like the energetic feeling that I experienced growing up around money? Like for mine, in one house, my parents were divorced, one household, it was very stressful and like very lack, like we're, you know, eating ramen every night. And the other one, I didn't, we didn't ever really talk about money, but I was never worried about it. And so that impacts as you're growing up. Um, how you perceive money now. And so if we can identify what those are now, like that's amazing. So, you know, identifying like, oh yeah, my parents, when they fought, it was always about money. Or um, when we asked to do things, we were always told that we couldn't afford it. Or the opposite of like, I never worried about it because my parents just gave us whatever we wanted. And then later down the road, we realized as adults, their financial situation is like (laughs) not good. Right. And so we can start to understand how that is informing how we currently feel about money. So that's step one. Step two is like, you know, how do I talk about money and how do I feel about it? Me right now, because most of us have this negative mindset, kind of underlying negative mindset around money. But the reality is that most of us want more However, we still kind of have those feelings of judgment towards people who do have money. So I like to use this example of you're getting on the airplane and how many times have you just immediately felt judgment as you're walking past first class of like, oh, that must be nice. And like, you know, when you become aware of it, you're like, yeah, that would be nice. That's why I'm judging it because I actually want to be in first class because it's <laughs> real comfy oh. and they're getting champagne, right? So, you know, we love to, it's very confusing for us because on one hand, we judge people, individuals having money, but on the other hand, we actually, most of us really want to make more money and, and just kind of diving into that a little bit, just because you want to make more money does not mean that you are stingy or that you are not going to do good things in the world. And I think for entrepreneurs, that's a huge money block, right? We secretly want more money, but it's really hard for us to be okay accepting it Mm -hmm. because like you said, Cassie, that judgment um, that might come with it. And um, so that's step two. And then step three is we have to just be really mindful before we're spending money. So as we're about to spend money, I always like to check in, especially if I'm starting to feel out of control with it be like, how do I feel right now? Am I happy? Am I sad? Do I feel good? Am I hungry? Do I really need this thing? Okay. And it's just an interesting, it's an interesting um, test to do for a week to just kind of check in with yourself before you spend because most individuals will see trends. It's like later in the week when they're super tired and they didn't food prep and then they're eating out all the time, or they had a really rough day when they get triggered by this one particular person at work, it triggers them to go to Starbucks and buy the treat and the coffee and all the other things. 
And so if we can just be mindful to understand when we're starting to shop and that trigger of when we want to do it, that's a game changer. Because if you know what those are, you can start working around them. Yeah, I think the thing that I'm reading off of you, tell me if I'm wrong, is that it's not about labeling anything good or bad. It's having that mindset of curiosity, of of more of observance. For sure. I've noticed this can be kind of a trend in a lot of places in our life, whether it's, um, you know, trying to hack our own emotions or our thoughts around money. If we come at it from a place of uh, genuine curiosity of like, I had a bad day today and I really want some Starbucks, like log that away. <laughs> like, you know, and sometimes I, and if you can identify those emotions and the, the, the kind of impulse, I guess you could say to do things or the, the, I think that's going to make me feel better. Then I think that's the first step of being able to have a healthy outlook on um, coping in any way or, you know, cause what, we're always going to look back on ourselves of like, why couldn't I save money? I really didn't need that. You know, yeah. and it's like, well, the next time I have a bad day and I want Starbucks, I go, do I really need it? Or yeah. is it really going to make me feel better and everything's okay if I spend the money? It's okay. You know, it's like just self-awareness, I guess. Oh, totally. I mean, that's where most individuals, here's the thing. People don't want to get all woo-woo about it and talk about their emotions, but you're like, that. that's what it is. Like, that's what managing your money is and you have to start there. And um, yeah. I love that so much. Like, I actually, I'm going to listen to this when I edit it, but I wrote it down anyway. <laughs> I'm like taking notes while we're talking right now. Same. I think I haven't done that yet in the year and more that we've been doing this. Like, I'm like, I'm taking some notes about this because oh, I think it's really important to have um, emotional awareness around. Because, I mean, truth be told, like, I used to have a shopping problem when I was younger. When we were a dual income household and we both made full-time income, it was like I felt out of control in every aspect of my life because I didn't get to control my schedule. I didn't get to control like hardly anything. It was, I was under a doctor's um, supervision. So it was his rules. Like there was just, you know, so I I really didn't really have any control. And um, I used shopping in a lot of ways, but it was funny. It was always like, I was found a purpose behind my shopping. It was never, oh, I want this. It was, I need this. Yeah. It took me a long time to unpack that and go, I do that. I guess I don't need it, but I really felt like I needed it in that moment or I needed it to accomplish something or needed it to do this for that person or, you know, like it just, it was an interesting place to come to because when we went down to one income, it was like, like, hold on. And honestly, I think that first year after going from a dual income to a single income was probably some of the hardest times in my life emotionally because I didn't know where I was with money. I didn't know how much of my emotions were wrapped up and around it. And I felt like I was having to like rebuild myself all over again. And here I was like a new mom and like, you know, and I, man, if you do that work before you get to that moment, like, man, do it now. (laughs) For sure. And you're, you know, you're bringing up something too, that is, I always like individuals to pay attention to this. And that is, it's not totally your fault to like, want to buy things all the time, because we are living in an instant gratification society, right? Where it's like, I want it now. And I want it super fast. One thing I tried didn't work. It, it didn't work. And you're like, well, you gotta like, find out like your flow and figure out what works for you. I mean, I tell my students like, um, just creating your budget means nothing. You have to actually 
you have to participate in the game of managing your money. And that is like actually paying attention to what you're spending. But we are, you know, you think about how we grew up. We grow up celebrating or soothing ourselves with food and, and buying things. I mean, it's, you broke up with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It's like, oh, like, let's, let's go out. Let's go shopping or we'll go to a nice meal or like, yay, you did really well. Let's go shopping or let's go do something Treat or so treats true. or, you know, religious holidays for those who celebrate Easter. It's like new dress, like all of these things. Like we just aren't aware that we grow up in a society that just shopping is like a culture. And when you talk about, you know, marketing now and just how we are bombarded with different messaging across different platforms and the fact that so many marketers are using psychology and neuro-linguistics and they are using the things that are triggering your brain, they know exactly how to do it. And so oh, yeah. you have to be a hundred percent dialed in with how you feel. And if you really want something, you always know, like if you have that gut check, that intuition, you're, it will never, it will never lead you astray. Yeah, man. If you're not, if you're not in this place of listening to this and going, Oh, I've done my budget. I'm fine. If you just don't want to feel like you're being controlled by somebody who is like their own agenda in mind, get to know yourself. For sure. <laughs> Especially with your money. Yeah, on the money. Yeah. In general. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah sure. But I mean like the marketing aspect and feeling like you're led, being led down a path that wasn't really intentional for you. Like you didn't really intend that to go that way. Like, man, I, I mean, I think I think that's kind of the basis of avoiding addiction is understanding you know, because I mean, for me, I felt like shopping was addicting because it was so such that emotional high and it was it was screwing with my ability to even want to budget because then I felt like, well, but then I can't spend the money when I feel like it because then I'm locked into this little box. I mean, I felt like that for such a long time and I'm still getting past that a little bit of feeling like, well, I'm going to go from being out of control to too in control and the rigidity scared me. And honestly, I think that um, knowing that that like it took me probably five or six years to be comfortable with even talking to my husband about money because we have very diverging views on how to spend the money and when and why and I'm like I, I think that your thoughts on how to get to know yourself allows you to be better at communicating your needs emotionally around money to other people as well I mean it's kind of a win-win you know yeah. yeah oh for sure and doing that vision work especially as individuals who are sharing an income um, you, you got to start there, right? Maybe your spouse's vision is totally opposite of yours, but at least, you know, now, and then it's like, then you have a starting place to like yeah. have a conversation. And yeah. it could be that you both have the same vision. Just one is a little more conservative than the other. And then that's also a really great starting place. But, um, yeah. yeah. So I want to go back and just like dig into this whole money mindset thing and go through some of these common fears that people have around money. Take us through, like, what are these big fears that we all have? I know I'm just going to be shaking my head the whole time. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and how do we work through those fears? Yeah. Well, I would say one of the biggest fears is that it's just really a lack mentality and that I'm not going to have enough money. And you know, individual people think that, oh, you only have those fears if you don't have money. But I also, you know, there are a lot of individuals who have a crap ton of money in their savings account, but they don't need that much. Like they need to be, that money needs to be working for them in different ways. And they are too afraid to spend the money 
or they have amazing cash flow and they make a lot of money, but they're too afraid to like take a vacation or actually spend it on the things that like bring value and joy to their lives. And so that lack mentality is like one of the first things that it's like one of the biggest mindset blocks. And you can start to, um, it gets a little heavy, but in, in most cases, a lot of our issues are blocks in general in our lives. They usually result with like low self-worth, low self-esteem or low self-love. Right. And that's like, people don't want to hear that when you're talking about money. They're like, ah, great therapy session. Wow. Yeah, I think I think on this podcast everyone's ready for a therapy That's session. Great. You yeah. bring well, one of the one of the tricks that I love to give individuals to start to have a more positive view of money and just that, um, especially when it comes to lack mentality, is I want them to just think of money as a boomerang, and that when I give money, when I spend money, it always comes back. And that's a great just mindset or like mantra to say to yourself. But it's also in those moments where we're like, oh my gosh, you don't have any money. I instruct those individuals like you need to take a hot minute and pause. And I want you to look at all of your surroundings and name five things as to why your life is abundant. For most of us in the United States, we are living very abundant lives, right? You know, there's over half of the U.S. lives on less than three, or half of the world lives on less than three dollars a day. So it's like, did you, you know, in those moments you're like, oh my gosh, this, you know, my car payment came and I don't have enough money, and it's like, well, you had enough money to get a car. That's pretty abundant. Do you have a roof over your head? That's abundant. You have to like go back to basics because our brains are so inflated about what abundance means. Mm. And in reality, it's like, are you taking care of your basic needs? You know, Maslow's hierarchy needs gratitude. Yeah. Do you have a roof? Are you eating? Do you have a job? Like, what are these things that like are making you like when you say them out loud, you're like, okay, I have abundance because that like spins you back into that space of like, okay. And we have to start there. And then that next step is really like, we have to rethink how we think about money. And the easiest way to do it is to think about money as a relationship you care about. It's so hokey and people are like, this is weird. And I'm like, stay with me, (laughs) stay with me now. I mean, if you think about someone I love or care about, it doesn't have to be an intimate relationship. It can be a friend. It can be a family member. So think about all the things that you do in that relationship. You want to spend time with them. You say nice things about them. You always have their back. You know, you can trust them and rely on them and that they will have your back. Woo. I just Ooh. got goosebumps. Someone needed me for that. Okay. Right? <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so um, you plan dates with them. You actively want to spend time with them. You um, There's intention set there. There's intention. Yeah. And so if we start to think about what does that look like with money, then you really are in that space of playing with the mindset where it's like, okay, how would I spend time with my money? Mm, money date. How do I say nice things about my money? Um, you know, when I buy something, there's more where that came from. When I buy something, thank you, universe. You see a penny on the ground, pick it up. Thank you, universe. I love that money. I mean, it sounds so hokey, but you will be shocked if you do that for a week, how different you feel. And that, that energetic so difference is huge because it starts to shift your beliefs around money. And, and here's like, here's the thing that blows everyone's mind. So our beliefs are driving our thoughts, right? So whatever we believe drives our thought about something. 
that thought is triggering the emotion, how we feel, and that emotion is triggering our actual action. So emotions into actions, that action is reaffirming the belief. Ooh, circle time. So if that belief, as in like money's hard and money's really difficult to manage, your thought is, I don't like, oh my gosh, managing my money is so difficult and not very good at it, which triggers your emotion of feeling um, crappy, feeling sad, feeling overwhelmed. And that emotion triggers, I just like can't look at it in avoidance. So you don't look at your bank account, which reaffirms that money's hard. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I mean, I kind of knew this stuff, but you were putting it oh. such an easy way to understand it's that. I'm like, so oh. good. It feels gross. Like that's so, <laughs> put, oh my God, I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> the school of Betty. It feels so good. It feels gross. It's, gross. <laughs> it's, just, it's hitting awkward. all the feels. It's, it's hitting all, the, all feels. the feels. So if we take that from like a positive belief to say, my money comes to me easily and money is really easy to manage. Our thoughts are like, I love money. Money feels really good. Our emotions around it. I get excited when I get money. I don't mind managing it. And so when I go to like, look at my bank account, like, oh my gosh, this is so. I'm your belief that money is easy. Well, the, I mean, how many of us have been gone through this meditative practice of like self-love like that, talking to ourselves like that? Cause we're trying to, you know, build our self-esteem around that. I mean, how many times have we had these affirmations first thing in the morning of like, it's going to be a great day before you put your feet on the ground. Like this makes so much sense to translate it to money. It's the same thing. And if you're ever in those moments where you're like feeling bad about a money decision, or you're kind of like having that really negative self-talk with you, you just have to ask yourself, is this coming from high self-worth or low self-worth? Ooh, and like, boom, man. we'll always know the answer and like apply that to anything in your life. I'll write that we'll down. immediately be like, ah, oh, damn it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I know what the answer of that is. Right. And it just like, it takes the gray away. It just is very crystal clear. Oh my God. I'm, I'm currently writing this down. <laughs> that, I mean, that's gold. I mean, how many times can you have that actionable effort of every time? Like for instance, yesterday, so we went to a family vacation. We did um, tie-dyeing with all the cousins. And I was like, I want to tie-dye, but it was a cousin activity. And, <laughs> I, and I was just like, all right. Uh, and so when I got home, I was like, I'd really love to do that with my family, with my kids and like make it an activity of it. And so, you know, I went out of my way to go find another kit and do the stuff. And I brought it home and I was like, did I need to spend that money? And, and honestly, if I apply this question to it, is it coming from a place of self-worth or not? It absolutely did. It's something I wanted to contribute to our family. It was, I want to have that memory of like creating something with them. And I was like, no, I made the right choice. Like, you know, yeah. like I love that so much. Like yeah. it's so easy to get into that scarcity, like scared um, avoidance status um, around even spending something like I really didn't need the tie dye kit. Like it didn't, wasn't meet my basic needs, but let's take it a step further. And it's like, well, but if, if we feel like it's contributing to us from, and we made that purchase from a place of self-worth and it's got its place, you know? For sure. And we don't want to be in a space where every time we feel money, we feel really crappy. Right. want to buy the Louis Vuitton bag and you worked hard for it. Go knock yourself out. Right. You don't want to do it at a detriment to your just overall financial health. And what's really, what most people don't in, realize is that if they just did a values exercise, which I know your listeners are probably all up in that 
Mm-hmm. You do a values exercise and you know what's valuable to you, you have given yourself a filter for your spending. So it's really easy, you know, if you're like, what are my values? You can go look at your bank account and it's going to tell you where you've been spending your money. And you're going to know, is that in alignment with what I feel is valuable or not in alignment? But Brie, then we'd have to actually like look at our bank account. God bless it. I know. (laughs) You should be looking at it every day. Oh, I've heard you say that so many times. I mean, five minutes. And I loved what Genevieve said earlier, which was like, with curiosity, there's no judgment. We already have so much judgment and shame around money in general and around debt. Guess what? Most people have debt. So just like kick that out the door. Like you are where you are and we can take steps to move forward. You just got to know where you're going. That's why that vision is so important. It's like, you know, we all like to have a purpose and a driver. So it's like, what do you want? If you want to buy $300 shoes every month, amazing. Make sure you set yourself up for success and that you're just preparing yourself for other things. So I'm, I'm a bizarre money coach in the sense where I don't believe in this like hardcore, like even if you had credit card debt, you got to like stop all your spending and you can't enjoy anything in life. If you don't have pit stops and if you are not enjoying a little bit of your life, you're not going to stick with it. And it's the, that's why people think of budgeting as dieting. <laughs> yes. And this is where I, I diverge from like the Dave Ramsey mindset because mm. if, you, if you listen to him, right? I mean, you're like, yeah, let's diverge right now. I let's know. Diverge. <laughs> it's what introduced me to budgeting, but I've always felt so, again, gross about um, just this, this process of, of, you know, taking everything away that makes you happy or that adds value to your life, but it's only for a short period of time. So it's okay. Right. Well, it's like, well, if you have $70,000 in debt might not be a short time, you know, and you know, maybe you keep these little things that, that make you happy, that give you autonomy, you know, there's so much discussion. I think when we first went into, to budgeting and my husband and I, with all this, it was, you know, well, we, we can't go out for coffee anymore. We have to make our own coffee at home. And then I go and become an entrepreneur and I'm like a big part of my networking is going and grabbing coffee with people. And this is part of my line item business expense. Like Mm -hmm. it's just there. Mm -hmm. Um, And even when I went from having an office space and paying that monthly to closing my clinical nutrition practice and not needing that anymore, and then going into, well, now I'm going to shift that money to lunch dates and all this kind of stuff because, and, and it was somewhere to me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you have, there are certain things and, and I, I think it's ever present for me because I'm an entrepreneur. And so I see these added value items allowing money to come back. It's, it's, you, know, you got to spend some to make some. It's and a boomerang. I, I know, love that. Yeah, it's yeah. A, I, I love, I love kind of changing the language around that. I think that makes so much sense, but um, I think it's so important to keep these added value things. And this is why I got a bad taste in my mouth when I first started budgeting, because mm. I, we took away so many things that made us happy, including dates. Like we stopped dating girl. each other and oh, it affected girl. our marriage. <laughs> that is, affected, yeah, right? you gotta have that date for <laughs> sure. And I think it's so true. I mean, obviously, you know, you can get real creative with budget-friendly dates. You know, you can really make that work and I'm down with that. But, you know, you go through a period of life where things are just kind of crazy. And, um, you know, I think a big example of this for us in current budgeting is, you know, we still have a big hunk of student loan debt. But you know what? Dang it. We have someone come clean our house every other week. And it is the best thing but it took 
we had to sit down and have a conversation, both my husband and I around like, how does this make you feel? And it took him a long time to say yes. And, you know, I use our home as an office too. So he's like, he can justify it as a business expense in his head. And he's like, well, we can write it off and this is great. Um, but when it came down to getting it done and booking it, he was like, it feels wrong. It feels Mm -hmm. like something that it's a luxury. And that if we have debt, this is irresponsible for us to spend this money on having someone to come clean our house. Um, and, and having gone through it, he's like, I don't think I could ever give this up again. (laughs) Like it's such a beautiful necessity, but both of us had to, you know, kind of go around that mindset and really be like, why are we looking at spending this, you know, 70 bucks every other week? It's really not that much. We have a very tiny house, by the way. Um, you're looking (laughs) on our video call, you can see it all. Um, (laughs) but, um, and this is, you know, one of the things that brings us incredible joy is just living really simply, um, in exchange for having some of those added value items in our life. Um, so I love, I love the, concept or in the discussion around like money mindset and kind of breaking through these fears and emotions and, and why we treat our money the way that we do and having more, um, you know, just awareness around it and curiosity. Um, and I need to apply all of this. So I'm not <laughs> from a place of, of having arrived. Um, I've definitely not arrived, <laughs> but it's, I, I just, I love this approach to it. Cause I think so many times like budgeting can feel so like stifling and stodgy and, and gross and, um, it can, we can, we can make it fun. Yeah. You bring up something really amazing. And that is you're talking about your time and your energy, mm-hmm. right? And so when we think about our resources that we need to live our daily lives, we have our money, our time and our energy. And they're all, they're all energetic exchanges and they are all value systems, right? So, you know, what is expensive to me as it relates to money is not expensive to someone else. It's all relative, just as like depends on the person, right? And so we have to, um, this is one of the things that my students, you have to start understanding is that your energy and your time are are very valuable to you. And so for you, it was like that 140 bucks a month to have someone clean my house with the amount of like peace of mind that I feel and energetically how I feel is worth it. And that's what we get to play with. And so it's not, we can't just look at the dollars and cents. That's why, especially I think those who identify as women or are running a household feel really guilty about doing things to help. Yes. Especially if they're like, you know, things that like, uh, I almost said a housewife and I just like want to slap myself for even. <laughs> we get, we maybe, maybe <laughs> a stay that? at home, stay at home parent or something. Stay like at that. home parent for sure. Yeah. <laughs> a yeah. housewife. It's Mad Men today I, on Rebel. <laughs> <laughs> to- totally I, good. I have, I have friends who are in this place who I've been trying to convince to take, you know, exchange that time and energy for a little bit of money and, and get their homes clean yeah. or something to that effect. But I think it's so hard. I think, for me though, even I like, I am not a stay at home parent. I have childcare for my kid, but I work at home. And so I see this all the time and I struggle with the domestic expectations and the entrepreneurial expectations all the time. So even if you're not in that place where you're, you know, a stay at home parent or something like that, I even have trouble justifying that because I'm like, well, I'm home all day. I can get this stuff done. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? It's, Time is the one, one of those, time is the resource out of those three that we can't get more of. Nope. And so we just have to really pay attention to that. And so, and money plays a part of that. When individuals are like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to cut coupons. 
And I'm like, well, do you like doing that? It's like, no. And it takes a ton of time. And it's like, then why are you, are you saving like a ton of money? Unless you like love the thrill of finding the coupon, knock yourself out. But if you're just like, oh my gosh, this is taking like an hour of my day, spend the extra $10 a week to like not buy the things with the coupons or to have your groceries delivered or, you know, have a meal prep two days a week. And I know those things feel very luxurious for a lot of individuals, but um, we have to start thinking in that way as money, time, and energy of being the resources we have. And they're yes. not, one is not better than the other. Yes, yes, yes. I'm just like, praise hands I know. all over the place. I have to tell you guys a funny story about how my husband and I overcame this like what's convenience and time and money and all this stuff so my husband works about mm, 40-ish minutes from where we live on a like a regular traffic day so he works in like downtown Portland and it's not super close to me and um, he has to leave his office and come back and and so his parking situation is weird because it's in downtown Portland in a very popular part of Portland. And so, and his office doesn't have a parking structure or a garage. Mm. So he's had to find whatever he can find. And the parking garage or parking structure they had is going away because there's a building going up. So parking is a big problem for them. Well, the parking meters in Portland and the parking meter people that come by, they're very good at their job. Mm, yeah, they are. <laughs> They're very on top of things. I know downtown Denver is the same way. Uh-huh. For sure. Mm-hmm. And so he has had to come up because he gets to work super early because he's trying to miss traffic both ways. So he gets to work really early and they don't start giving tickets until 8 a.m. And he knows this. So he parks as close as he can to his job for the first hour to hour and a half to get his day going. And then he has to stop what he's doing and go park, repark his car from a two hour to a four hour. So he can like be uninterrupted for hopefully four hours. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, like his time. Like, I'm already so stressed out right now. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes he has to like walk a few blocks to go to meetings. I'm just like oh, his. And so understandably time is a really big value point for him and his job to be able to get things done because he's also, he's a project manager for commercial work. So he's, managing a ton of people and time and effort and that man gets two to three parking tickets a month every Pay month for a parking space yeah <laughs> do you know how many times we've had that conversation Pay for a monthly parking space so yeah. we actually did like this cost like analysis like back more because i was like so when he got this job they they give him compensation for parking and for a car so really at this point we're at this wash in from one job to the next is this job he's been into about a year and for the longest time the first like nine months or so I was like so (laughs) are we gonna keep doing this parking ticket thing because and he was just like look man I'm just trying to survive and like it's it's scheduled out and I was like okay and here we are about a year and a year and a half into it and I've kind of just accepted it for what it is so every time we get a little ticket in the mail I'm just like business cost okay yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <sighs> like I'm, I'm like getting myself like used to it because he really could go pay for a spot, but really we, we even costed it out. It's it would cost us about the same. It's kind of a wash. And to be honest, there are some weeks where he's hardly in the office because of the jobs he's checking on. Yeah. So it's like this, like, uh, so, okay. I just Listen, like, oh. if it's a wash, you, I'm going to, you do the freaking parking spot. So you don't have to stress <laughs> out about it. I know. I was like, okay. So this is where we are is like, like analyzing our each other's emotional needs around. Cause this is face it. This is more of an emotional thing in it. Cause it's really not taking that much away from us. Yeah. It's 
one solution for the other and it's like one's consistent one it's like you know if he just has a like because like he didn't go he just got vacation he obviously didn't get a parking ticket in there so we'll mm-hmm. probably be one less ticket next month yeah <laughs> So maybe, <laughs> maybe, yeah. So I, it, it's, it's, it's interesting that we started talking about time and energy and money as resources, because I had to just kind of let it go in my mind of like, if this is what it takes for him to feel a little more in control of his day, it's not costing us that much yeah. time, money, energy. It's actually saving him a ton of time and it's saving him energy because that parking space is actually significantly, it's pretty far away from his job. Well, so it's like, like I, why I want to geek out on the Enneagram and money at the same yeah. time. Because your husband, five. Enneagram five, yeah. which means he wakes up with 25% battery life for energy. And not enough, not enough, not enough. Not enough. And so he needs to manage his energy, which means he needs a parking spot that's <laughs> set up already. He needs a close Skylar, I hope you're listening right now. Oh, <laughs> Hi, honey. But these, I feel like these are the things that like those money dates will just bring up naturally when you're trying to go through. And if you have that, you know, kind of like you were approaching it, Jen, like that curiosity, that analytical eye to like, well, let's just play this out. Let's just look playfully look at the cost of these parking tickets. I've stressed me out so much, by the way. I like following, weirdly, I like following those kinds of rules. Um, (laughs) I'm the person who like gets pulled over and didn't do anything wrong and is like really stressed out about it and yeah I don't like tickets um but we 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 got pulled over on a way on our road trip by the way oh I was like (laughs) no that's a money that's a money thing for me every time we've gotten a ticket we could not afford it yeah whoa so I think that's part of the fear too um so I want to go back to the money fears thing and just chat for a second so one of the things that we deal with and that we talked about a little bit is just having a really hard time like seeing the light at the end of the, the ginormous debt tunnel that we're in. Yeah. <laughs> and how, like, how do we work through that money fear? Cause that's a, that's a big fear that both my husband and I both have is like, is this ever going to end? Yeah. Please Hold up. I'm going to get my notes ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. I think part of it first is, um, we have, we just carry so much shame and stress around debt and it's mm-hmm. just, we we got to let that go and just be like, this is what it is, right? You student loan debt, you probably don't regret going to college. That's a whole other soapbox about how affordable college is, right? We don't need to go <laughs> oh, there. Gosh. But, um, you know, part of it is one, you just have to be like, okay, we are where we are. And number two, you have to also remember that student loans help you create really good credit, right? You're paying them. It's a consistent thing. It's not revolving like a credit card. So we have to look at the good too. That's that's helping you build your credit. And number three, um, I always want my, I always say to look at it like a really good road trip. And so when we have goals, say we're driving across the country, right? And that would be equivalent to like paying off all the student loans. It can either be a really good road trip or a really crappy one. Oh girl, this is super fresh for me. I just came back from a really long road trip. (laughs) Yeah, right. So, you know, if you have a really crappy road trip, you never want to do the road trip again. It's just like not even going to be an option. But if you have a good one, it's a different story. And so it's like, okay, what makes a good one? One, you know where the goal is or whether it's saving or paying off debt, you know what the destination is. I am the prize. 
in the prize, right? Yeah. So you got to have some rewards in there and, and like have ways to like give yourself that kind of celebration Two, you got to, I say, you got to have pit stops, right? So you have to have pit stops that are actually really interesting and a pit stop as far as like paying off debt is like, you know, when we pay off another 2000 of this loan or 5,000 or 500, whatever it is, we're going to go have dinner at our favorite spot. Right. So we get to do something or whatever it is for you that you've really wanted to do. And we're going to do it and celebrate it. And you got to have those really good pit stops. You got to have good snacks along the way. Oh, so true. Nothing worse than a road trip without snacks. Dave, uh. Dave Ramsey says only eat rice and beans. <laughs> I cannot. And this is where myself. I cannot. This is like the added value. You know, like my background is in clinical holistic nutrition. No. No, 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 your guts are going to be so mad at you. There's yeah. a reason why I haven't gotten into Dave Ramsey. So this is like feeding my soul in the best way because <laughs> I feel bad that I haven't gotten in. I'm like, what? This is obviously like, don't feel totally life changing. But every time I've looked into it, I'm like, that's just not me. I just, it's, yeah. And it's like, for some people that works. Some people are like, I'm driving all night, I'm sleeping in the car to get to where I need to go. And that's my jam. And other individuals are like, I need to take my time. I need a couple days here and there. It needs to be enjoyable to me. So it's like, you got to talk about like knowing your personality. You got to know your personality for what works for you and the way to, to manage your money. That's so, so good. That's so yeah. good. Like, so that's, those that's the way I like to road trip, which is, it's no surprise that I need to apply that to the money thing. Cause I think I, both my husband and I are so hard on ourselves. We're like, why can't we just live on less? Or why can't we, you know, go buy less expensive food or whatever it is. And we know those reasons, but it's really hard to get out of that. Like you just said, Jen, even like the shame piece of being like, why haven't I gotten into the Dave Ramsey thing? I, I feel like I should. It's like, well, you know, all those things we always say, thank you, Brianne, uh, my, our other friend, Brianne, not Brianna, but Brianne, stop shitting all over yourself. <laughs> For sure. Um, the best <laughs> phrase so ever. Every time I say that, my husband goes, are you shitting on yourself? And I'm like, I kind of am. Oh, That's a good one for money too. Oh, oh it really is. I should go yeah. out and meet that friend, but I don't have it in my budget. And it's like, well, do you want to? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Conversation first, like yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love, I love that analogy of the pit stops and taking time to to celebrate. I think it's so hard to do that when the the debt the the snowball is really big. <laughs> so as it gets smaller, to celebrate that is such a good reminder. Honestly, I feel like my husband and I have had to teach this to each other because like he's the kind. Like early in our marriage, we bought a car that was really kind of far away from us. It was in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of a long story. Um, and he like got on an airplane, went down there, drove it, and then drove it back by himself. Like, I'm pretty sure in, he took a two-hour nap basically on the side of the road. And I'm like, I just don't think I could do that. Like, I don't, I mean, I did that once and it was like the worst experience of my life. I will never do that again. You know, and and he even just this week as, we, as we've done this road trip, we drove from like South, um, South Utah back up to Southwest Wall. Washington and it's a long drive you know and it's funny he he can have this mindset of like destination like we will we will go and and I'm like look dude like if you want a functioning human being by the end of this we gotta we gotta eat food that's not gonna like ruin my existence so I'm not eating McDonald's sorry like you know and it's like we had to like kind of do a little bit of planning a little bit of stopping getting out and stretching a lot and having kids has really like made him see the value in it oh, for sure 
<laughs> oh my gosh, you guys, I can't even tell you how many like potty stops we took. Like I, I can't, I, even I was like, dude, <laughs> see, it's so relieving for me because I'm the one who has to pee all the time. So I'm like, well, I, I can just blame it on my little guy. Yeah, so we got to make sure the, the three-year-old goes pee. So we're good. Right. But it was interesting. Like by the time we got to the end of it, cause we've done probably quite a few road trips since having two kids because it's significantly more expensive to fly with four people than for two. Sure. Right. And so we've done more road trips, especially since buying our new car last year, which is a whole nother like psychology thing and money. I was a wreck the day we bought that car, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm piecing that down. I'm figuring it out. But it was just interesting seeing him at the end of this. And he's like, I'm so glad that we didn't, that we took two days to drive this when we could have done it in one. It was like a 19 hour drive total. We've done it before. We did it yeah. last summer from Anaheim back up to Southwest Washington. And we were like, we can get this. It's fine. And I was kind of acquiescing to his thoughts and we probably could have stopped, but I really wanted to get home. Honestly, seriously, I'm never doing that again. Like that was ridiculous. My kids are champs, but I was like, I am never doing that again. Like, <laughs> like, and so I kind of like advocated for myself a little better for like that mind, that money, time, energy management where I was yeah. like, I'm going to budget for a hotel there and back because I am not doing that again. And he got to the end of this trip and he was like, I'm really glad we did it that way. And I'm like, me too. Yeah. Having that experience (laughs) of like that management of money, time, energy, and realizing where our priorities lie. And like, cause he naturally goes a totally different direction than me and me being a two and Enneagram two, I was just obliging to what he wanted. And I was, I mean, honestly, Life is such an adventure with another human being and you add money into it. It's like, forget about it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I I love what you said about uh, talking about seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and letting just, I I love that you put it in a one, two, three, like letting go, um, realizing that shame and stress is not helping us. It's not adding to our life. It's not helping about look and how you looked at student loans. So it's more than just how to work with our emotions. Cause like, honestly, you either have house debt, you either have school debt or you have credit card debt or car debt. Like some of those things that a lot of us like run with and it shouldn't ruin your life. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and, and that relationship that you have with where you're going to get and where you're going to go. I think those are such actionable efforts that I can personally work with. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad. I mean, we waste so much time and energy worrying about the thing that we can't do anything about. Yes. So it's like, there's value in having reflection and be like, uh, I don't know if that was a good choice or not. And then, yeah, now we know, right. If we can approach those things with curiosity and without judgment, it totally changes the game for us. And most of us, you know, if we're racking up credit card debt or making decisions that in hindsight, we're like, ah, that wasn't the smartest. We're usually making the best decision with the knowledge that we have at that moment. Yeah. hundred percent. It's all right? a journey. It's, it's, all it's a, journey. a road trip. It is a road trip. I should not have taken that exit. <laughs> <laughs> I have moments like that. detour, but I'm back on track. Yeah, we're getting there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So our loving audience is all about like really lovely practical steps. Um, after listening to this, because I, I don't know about everyone who's listening is going to be like, okay, I have to change my life now. Run my finances. Let's go. <laughs> um, <laughs> here we go. We pick up these like new torches. Here's mm-hmm. your new torch. Your money. Um, what do we do to kind of get started with this? and kind of step into a place of awareness and management of our yeah. Oh, I love it. So number one recommendation, start checking your bank account every day. 
Whoa. for five minutes. Okay. Oh, deep breath. And so, yeah, that's, I love that you said that because for most individuals, that is going to be a holy smokes, I can't do that. But what, what is uncomfortable will become comfortable. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh so, my gosh. I used to say that to my cheerleaders all the time. It's because they used to be like, I can't do this. This is too hard. And I'm like, no, no, it's unfamiliar. That's yeah, it. totally. It's unfamiliar. it's unfamiliar. And managing your money is a skill. Yeah. Skills don't get better if we don't do them. Right. We just have to, we have to actively do them. And so looking at that bank account, you're just going with curiosity and observance of like, what did I spend the day before? No judgment, five minutes, move, move on your day. It will, you do that for a week or two. It's not going to be as stressful or traumatic because you're just like, oh, this is what I do. I look at my bank account. And because you're not triggering an emotion when you do it, it's not becoming this thing that's super hard. Mm. Number two, you got to sit down for a hot minute and just visualize what that dream life looks like. And this is actually really hard because we usually know what we don't want. It's really hard for us to say what we do want. And that comes from like a, do I deserve this? Or there's no way I can get that. And so, you know, if you need to start, well, I know these are the things I don't want. That's okay. But start big, like dream big, like give yourself no obstacles to like, if I, if money wasn't an option, if I had my way, this is the life I would live. And that's going to seem really big and grandiose. But what you can do from there is to start thinking like, what, what are the actions that I would be doing? How would I be behaving in that, in that scenario um, when I'm living in that life? And how am I behaving now? And are those in alignment or are they off? It's just a very good exercise for you to be like, oh, okay, I got to like, I got to tweak some things. But then to make it more tangible, just take that down a few notches and say, what does my ideal week look like? Because what will happen with that is, you know, our money is not just about our money. It's about like, I wish I was working out more or I wanted more time to meditate or gosh, I eat out all the time and I can't seem to like food plan. It's like money, time and energy all mixing up together in our lives. And so if we can just sit down and say, what does my ideal week look like? And again, how am I operating now? And how um, would I be operating? And then pick one thing to work on the power of one. We love to like go big because we want to change it really quickly and we just get super overwhelmed. Like we cannot change. You're, you're asking yourself to change habits. So when we pick a goal, like a money goal, you're basically committing to creating new habits and behaviors, right? So if someone's like, I want to like, I want to start saving more money and eating more at home. I currently eat out five nights a week. I'm going to only eat out once. You're like, whoa, whoa, Nellie. Like, wow. <laughs> Hold the phone. You you are committing to changing most of your daily habits. Think about it, right? You're not food prepping. You're not grocery shopping. What? It gives me anxiety thinking about it. I'm like, oh, that's like a lot. I know, but if you can pick one to say, we're going to eat out three nights a week instead of five, that is like, that's like a baby step that you can actually start to work on. So one, look at that bank account every day. Two, create that vision, that dream life, and then create what a, what a week looks like for you, your ideal week, so that you can start to um, take actions towards that, picking one thing. And number three, you have to know your cash flow, what's coming in and what's going out. And so that is a basic budget. Your budget is what will give you freedom. A budget is not restrictive. A budget is what tells you, I want to go to Vegas on this weekend. How do I move things, other things around in order to do it? That's what a budget, it's just like calendar, like time blocking your calendar. 
when you're organized with your calendar, it gives you flexibility to move things around so you can do the things you want to do, right? So this is really simple, and this is how I have all my students create their budget. Number one, you got to know what your cash flow is coming in after taxes for the month, right? If you are an entrepreneur or you're working for yourself, I want you to take into the money that's coming in after you pull out your taxes. Because I got a lot of students who don't do that. And, ooh, Nellie, you do not want to be, you don't want the heaviness of the IRS on your shoulders and trying to, like, pay taxes, right? It's a total pain in the ass. Know what your fixed income or fixed expenses are. And I define fixed expenses as the expenses that are required to survive. Right? I got to get to work in my car. I need to pay my rent or mortgage, um, insurance, my cell phone. Like, and they're usually expenses that don't change that often. They're pretty set and consistent. Are the expenses that are like the nice to haves and the luxuries. Your groceries are going to be variable in the sense that it is the one area that is really hard for students to stick to. It's your grocery bill for most people. Just it's either good or you're blowing it out of the water all the time. It's really hard to kind of stick with it. So that one, it's a fixed expense because you need to eat, but it is one that you'll have to really pay attention to. So variable expenses are like, you know, gym memberships or eating out or spending money. And you have to give yourself an amount for spending money. You have to, because people are like, I just, you know, I keep spending a lot. And I was like, well, what's your budget? And I'm like, well, I didn't give myself one. I'm like, oh, newsflash, you'll spend it if you have it. But if you tell yourself, like, I can spend 500 bucks a month on, like, eating out or drinks or whatever it is, then you have something to work with. And then your minimum debt payments. And I say minimum because when we're talking about credit scores and staying good on stuff, the 35% of your credit score is paying the minimum payment on time. So mm -hmm. you don't have to do a lot to get your credit score up. Obviously there are other things that play into your credit score, but at a minimum, if you have a major life event or a major financial change, you want to know what your total budget is. So your fixed expense variables and your minimum debt payments total, you need to know what that number is. So that anytime your money is flexing or you're considering a career change, you know what you have to have in in order to survive and to keep your credit good. And then sense. you have a very clear idea of how much extra money do I have that then I can use a snowball to put towards debt or I can use to put towards savings. So what often happens is everyone kind of puts in all these goals first and they're like moving money around and it's like, oh, I always have to dip into my savings. And it's like, well, you probably are putting the wrong amount in your savings or at the wrong time, right? But psychologically, if we have to take it back out of savings, even though it's still our money, we just oh, feel really about it. It's like yeah, the worst. Defeated. Right? So, so you're going to feel better out. if you put $25 in state savings instead of 100 but you don't have to dip it back out. Mm -hmm. You're going to feel so much better and feel so much more successful. So... Those are the three things so that I good. feel like are super important. Well, I feel like I have plenty of work to do in all of those areas. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I got, I got notes for the first time. <laughs> uh, I love it. Oh, thank you so much for coming and being on the podcast, Bree. We're so grateful for your Oh, my time. gosh. Um, tell everybody where they can find you and about your Fierce Finances program. Yeah, so you can find me at theschoolofbetty.com or you can find me on Instagram at theschoolofbetty. I'm mostly active on Instagram. 
you can find me on Facebook at The Buddy School because someone has a school buddy. I don't know who Rude. it is. Oh. Rude. <laughs> um, so you can find me there. I'm always dropping um, weekly tips and money mindset and habit stuff for you to learn. And then Fierce Finances is my signature program. It's an eight-week group coaching program. Um, I usually run them every couple of months. So if you go to my website, you will see um, when the next one is. But that's really awesome because we get eight women together and we create a safe container to talk about our money and we get it in order. And so by the time you're leaving that eight weeks, um, you're jamming on your finances. And so it's a that really fun, lovely. yeah, it's a really fun group because it's pretty powerful when you actually can have a safe space to talk about your money and especially for women, right? Yeah. We, uh, you know, little tidbit here. We live about seven years longer than men. Ugh right? So we usually need more for retirement. And, you know, if you're going in and out of the workforce for children, you know, women on average are um, missing out on 11 years total of work time where men miss out on like 19 months. So oh my God. that translates into often we're not contributing to a retirement fund. So women, mm -hmm. I just, we have to be a little bit more smarter. We have to pay attention to it and just lean into our finances because um, we're actually really good at it. Yes, I love that. We are really good at it. I'm <laughs> telling myself that. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. I love it. Thank you so much, Bree. Everybody go check out what she is up to. I know I've learned so much since finding you on the interwebs um, and continue to learn so much from you through Instagram. So make sure you guys are following her at School of Betty. Go run, switch over to your phone. It'll keep playing the podcast while you do it. Um, and go follow her right now. Uh, thank you so much for being here, girl. We appreciate your time. Thank so you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Rebel Heart Radio. You can visit our website to submit a question at www.rebelheartradio.com. Or you can hop on our Instagram. You can ask us anything. We love to get to know you guys. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a review on iTunes. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode.